When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up? Welcome in GC Live Wednesday episode of the show. Furman Week rolling on. You hear the sounds of somebody smashing <laughs> golf balls behind us. That's because we are live from Pro Swing Columbia in Chapin, South Carolina. I was just watching Chris hit a few. Mostly uh, mostly hit them straight. That's what we'll tell people. Well, we can go with that, yeah. Yeah, so excited, We're here to excited to be here. We're here to practice. Chris <laughs> wanted to get in some practice. Shout out to Michael and Steve here helping us out. Um, awesome facility, Chris. I know you had a chance to uh, partake a little bit here. What'd you think, man? This is the the best simulator I've ever seen for sure. Uh, it is an outstanding setup. You can practice. You can play courses, um, and a lot of options here. Go to proswingcolumbia.com. You can either rent a bay by the hour, West, or they have membership options for you where you can join monthly. Get hours of play and another cool thing Wes plenty of sports including access to college football games and ESPN they have that here you can actually get ESPN here they have it you know they do uh and they have an awesome bar here lots and lots of local I think they got 20 craft beers here or so including our friends at Steel Hands on tap you can actually get Sandstorm Game Day Lager right here at Pro Swing Columbia so proswingcolumbia.com 105 Snapdragon Court Sweet C here in Chapin and integrated media right next door. Yep. Um, I told people on the radio, they uh, came out and hooked my house up. They can do the same for you. Whole home Wi-Fi, uh, hardwire the internet. Maybe you want to hook up the man cave. They can handle all those things for you. Find out a little bit more about what they got going on. IntegratedMediaInc.com. Again, IntegratedMediaInc. All right, man. So let's roll into week two. We're here, believe it or not. Once you you know you wait all season long for the actual football season to get here then it does and you kind of push on a lot off the edge of the mountain and then it's flying at this point so coordinator speaking today that was Dow Loggins of course Clayton White of course Pete Limbo I got a chance to listen to all of those earlier and you know we we didn't really think that they would give away a whole lot just knowing the personality of this group but you know, something with Loggins, this is always where we talk about what we learned, what we maybe heard that caught our attention. I'll go first, and I'm going to start with Dow Loggins. So I thought it was interesting, especially towards the end, like the very last quote he had, the very last thing he said. Um, I'm starting to know, notice Loggins carries himself with, I think, a certain type of confidence. Um to where he is willing to wear it. And, and what I mean by that is we've all seen coaches where, you know, they'll, they'll put it on themselves, but then they'll, they'll kind of also put it on other people. Um, you just get this sense that he 100% within his fiber believes we're, we're in this together as an offense and that he's at the top of that offensive chain. So, you know, I, I really liked, like, if you're a South Carolina fan, if you're one of his players, the the last thing he said was, if you're going to put it on anybody, put it on me. It's my fault. 
you kind of have, and we, we all know it wasn't all his fault. Like, I don't really think play calling was one of the top 10 issues in the game, but you want the guy at the top, you want the leader of the group to take full command of what happened. Yeah. And so that may seem like a small thing, but if, if I'm part of the fan base out there listening, I liked that the OC didn't make excuses. He just said at the end of the day, it's on me. I got to do better. And uh, I think that speaks to um, maturity and confidence within himself. Well, and speaking of confidence, I mean, you pointed this out earlier in the week and that Dow Loggins was asked before this game, why do you have confidence? And he didn't say, hey, we have this and we have this and we have this and I'm a great play caller. He actually said Spencer Rattler, right? He's pointed mm-hmm. to number seven. And so in the aftermath of the game, he spent a lot of time talking about how good Rattler was. I think we knew that. I think the numbers bear it out as well statistically. But just hearing him talk about how good Spencer was, how much he covered up, called him spaghetti sauce, says he covered up a lot of things during the game, pointing out some things. Hey, here's Spencer could have played a little better in this area, that area, but just gave him a lot of credit. I think it really validated, I think, what we saw on the eye test and then statistically the type of game that Spencer Rattler had. Um you know, and I, I think, Wes, you, you pointed this one out as well. There were some warning signs from Beamer and Loggins on the areas that they had that were concerning. That that doesn't mean it was okay. That doesn't mean anybody expected nine sacks and all the pressures that we saw, all the disruptions. I think Dowell Loggins said they had 18 disruptions over the course of the mm-hmm. game. That's, none of that's good enough. But you could tell he was concerned about those things going into the game, particularly the offensive line at tackle. That ended up playing out during the game. Fortunately, they had Rattler to play extremely well to cover those things up, and now it's just about finding a workable combination, which he did not blow smoke about, for sure, on the offensive line. Yeah, he said it's still a work in progress. Yeah. And uh, even if you if you go back and look at his press conference last week, he was asked, I think it was two different occasions, what, what gives you confidence in um, – I can't remember if it was specifically offensive tackle or offensive line. At one point, he said, "What?" Or they said, "What gives you confidence in getting the running game going next week?" And he he sort of, or this week at the time, but this was last week going into the UNC game, and he basically kind of, I don't want to say avoided the question, but he turned the answer into saying, "I'm excited to see what we do against a real opponent." So yeah, you know, he he didn't come out and say. Oh, I you know I think we're going to run the ball all over him. I uh, you know our guys are are completely ready. Today he said this is still a work in progress on the offensive line. Uh, I thought he he walked that line incredibly well, not throwing your guys under the bus while simultaneously taking um, taking credit for the issues while also simultaneously saying um, you know. We've got to dig ourselves out of this, but it is going to be a process to do so. I think you got to kind of respect the the honesty there mm-hmm. without it feeling at any point like he was throwing the players themselves under the bus. He even worked in a compliment for, for Nick Gargiulo and Vershawn Lee while yeah. simultaneously saying, look, it's, uh, it's on the offensive line as a whole. It's five guys working towards one goal, and then even past that, it's it's eleven people working towards one goal on offense. So, uh, just the demeanor so far of Dow Loggins. Um, ultimately, fans will judge him on points, yep. yards, um, quarterback recruiting, probably wins, wins. <laughs> but you know, 
I, I think as far as in a comparison to what you saw fans kind of reacting to press conferences the last couple of years, I don't think you can find much fault in what he's had to say so far this year. Sure, and I mean, I, to go back to the Vershawn and Nick shout-out, I mean, that was another, I think, validation of what we saw. You know, after the game, I know you and I talked, and that was kind of where we landed. Like, we thought Nick G played well, thought Vershawn did some good things in there. The rest of the spots were pretty spotty, right? Pretty up and down, or maybe just down <laughs> in, in general. And so, as you go into this week, or they're now fully in this week with it being Wednesday, obviously, you know, searching for some answers there, and Wes, I get the sense they, they probably don't know for sure, right? Uh, if if Dowell Loggins would have come in, Shane Beamer would have come in yesterday during his press conference and said, look, we've already identified the problems. We know exactly what we're going to do. We've got our five. We're not going to tell you who they are, but we got our five and we're ready to roll. They're not saying that because I don't think they're at that point. And so um, we may see some different combinations during Furman. Maybe we see one combination that ends up working pretty well in that game. The next couple weeks, as we've said, are tough to get um, to get an actual read on, right? Furman, we know, is a really good team. And, and each of the staff members that we heard from today, Limbo, White, Loggins, they all, and, and Shane Beamer yesterday, four staff members all took special care to point out that this is a very capable Furman team, which they are. You're going to have to play a lot better up front. But you've got this game this week. You'll be bigger and stronger that, that's the biggest difference fcs to fbs is going to be on the lines of scrimmage you got to make it as such but even if south carolina can have a distinct advantage there and it shows you're still not going to learn a lot georgia game given some of the issues we've seen there's a chance that may not go as well on the lines of scrimmage right so mississippi state i know we buy it as the game that not that you're flushing the the georgia game by any means not that you're looking past the Furman game but I, the point is, he mentioned a process. I think it's going to be a process at least the first half of the season to maybe try to find out whether or not they can solve this issue up front. Well, you know, you look at just Furman and not just this team, but that program. Obviously, a lot of respect, especially, I thought, from Clayton White and Pete Limbo um, because of their connections mm-hmm. to that conference. And, uh, you know, Limbo is a guy who's – he's been around for so long now he he also gave a shout out to the duke staff and was in no way a shot at clemson that wasn't one of those you know let me be funny and take a shot at clemson it was legitimately i didn't realize this like half of the yeah half of the duke staff has worked with pete limbo at at one point and uh, lots of ties for him just to Furman over the years and then clayton white talking about starting his coaching career early on being at western carolina in the same conference so you know you get the feeling this staff Beyond just, all oh, this is a veteran Furman team, which they are. This might be the most veteran team South Carolina plays all year long. With the transfer mm-hmm. portal, you don't see quite as many veteran teams as you once did. Furman has managed to keep guys around. And, um, you know, obviously it's a it's a drop down in, in competition as far as what level they're at. But uh, one of the most uh, sort of junior and senior, just upperclassmen-oriented um, teams that you're probably ever going to see. And so they return a bunch of starters. Quite a bit of respect from the staff all the way around. And I don't know, man, it feels like it kind of has gone an inch or two past the typical let me get my team's attention. This is a this team is capable of beating you. Um, how, how I know there's levels to everything. How far do you take this thing? Like, should, should Gamecock <laughs> fans be – should they be expecting – should they be preparing themselves for a close game 
on Saturday? Do you take it that far, or do you still think, hey, it's it's Furman, South Carolina should control most of this game? Yeah, I mean, it should be a question mark in your mind at least, and I think there's going to be varying levels of fans. There might be might be some fans preparing for a loss, Wes. You know, you never know. Uh, look, I I reached out to someone this week who uh, is kind of a college football guru and, and speaks to a lot of people who has some connections to Furman. And the, the answer I got back was it's a dangerous team for the exact reason that you mentioned, the experience level. They're just incredibly solid and well-coached and, and disciplined in all phases of the game. And so anytime you play a team like that, if you make a bunch of mistakes hosting a team like that, that's that's when you can get beat. That's when you can uh, create some scary moments. So I'll go back to what I said earlier. Again, the biggest difference typically from the FBS to FCS level is going to be on the lines of scrimmage. So that means not only for Carolina's offensive line, but their defensive line, you have got to make that area an advantage. If you've got the size and the skill and the athleticism advantage, you have to make sure somehow or another that that shows through. So it is an open-ended question, right? Neither line of scrimmage won those battles against North Carolina the other night. Can they win them against Furman? They can because the skill level, the size will, will go down. But, man, I, I don't know, Wes, that you can look at this and say, yeah, South Carolina is just going to absolutely roll. This is not going to be a close game. If anything, you should probably lean a little bit more of this is a prove-it game. You know, th- this one's more of this one could certainly be close uh, in the second half. As you know, every single show presented by our buddy Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, check out clinthammond.com. 803-771-6933. I was responding to a member on the Insiders Forum just this week. They were talking about maybe buying a second home. I said, call Clint. If you got questions, he can walk you through what all of your options are. He is located here in Columbia, but really uh, throughout the state of South Carolina and actually some neighboring states, uh, Clint can uh, help walk you through the process of buying a home or just kind of seeing what options you may have. Again, 803 771 6933 call Clint and um, he'll help that process be pretty easy for you. Um, was there anything else with logins? I, I kind of pointed mine out. Was there anything else that just caught your attention above all else as far as what he said today? I th- thought he was kind of fiery a little bit today. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think we hit the main things. And one other thing I would say, Wes, is that t- to my surprise a little bit, he got a little bit went beyond the philosophical Dowell logins. He he kind of dove in a little bit more. He he did that thing that coaches do sometimes where they start talking in coach speak, and probably most of the media members assembled in the room are going, what what in the world does that mean? Some will catch it. Um, but talked about specific plays and specific concepts and some different things that they tried to do during the game. And I think the big takeaway from that was taking out the football jargon, play-calling lingo, is that, yeah, they tried a lot of things, mm. and they just weren't having success up front, which, again, does – handcuff you as a play caller there there were some things that were were good enough there Wes the thing that he kept going back to was 17 and 7 Xavier Leggett Spencer Rattler you don't have juice for a lot of the game he didn't seem too happy with much of anything else even the skill guys he, he didn't shout out the tight ends even though they did some good things didn't shout out other receivers didn't shout out running backs and so you can tell he feels like they have a long way to go offensively and I don't think that's just motivation. I think that's really what he thinks. Um, also talked a little bit about the North Carolina player who was saying, yeah. you know, oh, we, we knew what they were going to do before they did it. I've, I've been torn on that whole thing. Like yeah. you can tell 
Uh, you know, Loggins himself even said, hey, may, maybe we had an offensive lineman or two that were doing something that would that was tipping off. Yeah, a little light in your stance or yeah, something. Yeah, that, yeah. That's typically some, that's that's a lot of games. You know, guys will pick up on little almost like micro cues of but some sometimes uh offensive linemen kind of choose and, and you know staffs choose okay, they know we're gonna throw anyway. It's worth it to go ahead and get more into a pass right. set stance because they already know you're throwing. Uh, versus trying to trick anybody, and some sometimes you're in a pass setting, more of a pass set stance, and you run the ball, you know, on some type of draw, and you use that to work, you know, your tendencies against your opponent. I I certainly don't think North Carolina had any tendencies on South Carolina because it's a brand new coordinator. Yeah, well, and I think he pointed out, I think what was that Kamon Rucker who had a great day, by the way. But I think he was mainly saying, hey, the way that they were, you know, the offensive linemen. And, and those are – you do see those, Wes. That's a lot of – that's just film study or what you see in the game. This guy's heavy in his stance, maybe a run. He's lighter in his stance, maybe a pass. That, that's not necessarily a scheme thing. Sometimes that's an individual player thing. And Loggins even pointed out sometimes guys are raising their hands to indicate pass, and it wasn't a pass. Mm-hmm. So it, it can kind of go both ways with that thing. I don't know that that's extremely atypical – I just don't – I think from game to game, college football players don't always say that. That probably happens in every game. I'm not saying it was good, right? Mm. I'm not saying you don't need to clean that up. You obviously do. Was that the reason they lost the game is because North Carolina had the book on them, so to speak? I don't think so. I think it was more about individual one-on-one losses and matchups, especially up front. Yeah, and, you know, he even talked about if you plugged in to, to the analytics, hey, our quarterback completed – you know, almost 80% of his passes, 30 of 39, didn't turn the football over, um, won the turnover battle really by by three to an extent yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's a that's a turnover in the books. Even, you know, you can extend it out. Both teams went for it on, on fourth and, and didn't get it at one point. You know, maybe you count that as turnover. Um, either way, I know it's not an official turnover, but – Should be. That's one of my yeah, crusades. Analytically, <laughs> it, it's pretty much the same. But – Point being, and I was sitting there thinking through everything he was listing out, and Beamer even talked about this to an extent on Tuesday. Hey, look, here here are our general game-to-game, every single game, keys to victory. Mm -hmm. And we did this, we did this, we did this. But all that was completely, entirely wiped out by the lack of a running game, the too many negative plays, quarterback getting hit. And then on the other side, I thought it was interesting as we – sort of roll into Clayton White, Clayton said, you generally, just naturally, will get six to seven tackles for loss in a game. And I got to thinking about, if you if you look at Carolina's defensive stats, you know, they aver- North Carolina averaged about 4.3 yards per carry. That's, from a defensive standpoint, that's not great, but that's not – Oh, you just got ran off. We yeah. we saw them get we saw them have far worse efforts than that at times last year. Mm-hmm. That's that's not a terrible day at the office. But the difference was you they weren't able to force North Carolina to be behind the chains. Whereas Carolina's was South Carolina's behind the chains. How, constantly. How many, constantly. I constantly. think Dowell Loggins said that they had ten third and seven pluses in the game. You, 
even with Spencer Rattler, and yeah. even if you had good protection, that's not that's not a number you want to be at. Yeah. So on the other side, you're expecting that the reason the reason you're not able to get off the field on defense because get, not getting off the field is more of a symptom, I think. Yeah. Not like the actual problem. The problem is there you're not. When you when you get a second and thirteen as a defense, as opposed to a second, even a second and seven, it's like okay, you you played it pretty well up front. You got the guy on the ground. You held him three yards, but you didn't create anything negative for right. the opponent. So if that happens over and over and over, that's why you see second and seven, third and two, first down, second and six, third and one, first down, and next thing you know, North Carolina has the ball inside the twenty. By that point, it's a nine-play drive. You're tired, and it just kind of builds on itself. So I think that's part of the reason that tackles for loss are such a big stat, man. And it wasn't just that South Carolina had those issues on offense. To me, it was the comparison of what their issues were on offense compared to what was going on on defense for South Carolina. You've got to have those negative plays. They didn't even get what Clayton White considered to be like the norm Six to seven. Just a baseline. You go out there and you play defense. Even if you play it poorly, mm-hmm. a lot of times you get that. Yeah, it, right, it was a huge contrast. So the two, the two things that stood out to me with White, uh, number one, he talked about not finishing plays as mm-hmm. being what he thought the reason, you know, tackles for loss. It's not like they had no opportunities, right? They, they had some shots at Drake May. Uh, th- I think they hurried him nine times, and I think they hit him like five times. You got to turn a couple of those into a sack or um, a play that maybe Drake May can't extend enough to, to throw the ball up and complete it, you, or maybe not letting him scramble out there. He had – they held him – did a pretty good job with him actually in the run game and that he didn't have a lot of yards, uh, but they did let him escape sometimes. They did let him break the pocket, and he had some nice runs to extend drives. So that's something you got to clean up. you got to be able to finish better. Secondly, Wes, one thing that stood out to me, we know, we know the edge position didn't give him a lot of production – but I was curious to hear him his take on the interior of the defensive line. It was very interesting that he he kind of went there and say, and somebody asked specifically about Boogie Huntley and Tonka, mm-hmm. and he said, look, he basically said, paraphrasing, they didn't get enough from those two guys in the first game, which I thought was interesting. Um, probably would have expected more. He said, hey, if you ask those guys, they tell you the same thing. And he felt like they identified not, you know, an effort issue, mm-hmm. Um Talk a little more about technique. Technique, not not yeah. getting whooped, not effort, but technique that Travian Robertson, the defensive line coach, already picked up on. So the hope, Wes, has to be that you, those are things you can correct. And, and with guys like Tonka, Boogie, you feel like you probably can get those corrected. Sometimes you just get in the game, maybe first game too, you know, and you, and you just fall back a little bit on not your training, but just your, your athleticism. That could get you in trouble, you know, when you're playing against a good team. Well, yeah, and I think especially if it's something you're – maybe not quite there yet on and you you, it's kind of like all right let me go back to what i'm comfortable doing versus something maybe i'm trying to implement into that spot where i'm completely comfortable doing it but it's more like i know i've I've been doing it like this my whole life now i'm playing an opponent maybe i'm not as comfortable doing this new thing so um yeah i thought that was that was kind of interesting it was um trying to think oh he was asked about tackling. Mm-hmm. Trying to think back to the game. I don't know if the stats or analytics back it up or not. For a game one, 
I don't know, man. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like it was like a missed or, tackle fest. Yeah, I've I've watched some missed tackle fests, and I, and I know y'all have, <laughs> have too. And we have. Um, you you don't tackle to the ground in practice a ton. If you ask me, that that ain't on the top of my list of issues. Now there were some times, you know, like Drake Drake May made you miss in the open field. Now yeah. some of that is just he's he's pretty good at that, and you know you see this big quarterback come running out of there. It's one on one. There's a lot of space, and you maybe you're a linebacker. You get a little ahead of yourself and say, oh, "I'm about to pop him." And you realize actually I need to just break down because he's a little more athletic than I, I gave him credit for. And it, it happens like that. So to me, yeah, can it improve? I think Clayton White ended up settling on a C plus for tackling. Mm-hmm. Um you know that that seems fair. Yeah. Um maybe even a, a notch higher, I think, for a game one if you're gonna grade it on a curve. I just to my eyes, and maybe it's just me, but I just didn't see that as being some glaring issue in this game compared to what the other glaring issues were no i agree and i don't i don't have the stats in front of me wes i want to say i did look at it earlier and you weren't seeing four missed tackles for this player five for this player three for this player i, I want to say it was probably more in the like tennis range overall which mm. is which is not terrible i think what the issue did become is some of those and some of that number they were critical plays, right? Missing Drake May, not getting Drake May in the backfield. Uh, maybe a running back scooting out of there and turning a two-yard run into seven. We did see a few of those, and in a game like this, uh, they become more magnified when you do miss a tackle. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, Pete Limbo, great as always. It was. Did you have anything else on Clayton? I think that was, no, no. I think that was pretty much it. I'm, I'm amazed with Limbo's ability to – um, not even be critical, that's not the word for it, but to give an honest uh, representation of what he thinks about each of his units and how they performed yeah. while praising individuals, but then giving an honest assessment without throwing players themselves under the bus. It's like praise individuals, um, criticize groups. Yep. You know, so he he felt good, I think, for a game one, and he would clearly tell us i feel like if he didn't <laughs> yeah he felt good about pretty much everybody but kickoff return. return yeah and remember to your point wes about him not blowing smoke there was a game last year you might be able to come up with it or maybe somebody in our chat there was one game and i think they won the game last season and he came in and was like i was not happy with the way our special teams played like he, he just wasn't having it was happy with it in this game they obviously did some good things um the one thing that he did point out, Wes, but very specifically was on kick return. Um, he felt like the one that was North Carolina, remember, got the taunting penalty. So they had to kick it. It was a short kick to Xavier Leggett. And I also sitting there watching it live was like, man, that was a big missed opportunity. They just didn't get what they needed out of that. It was a short return. He felt like they did not block well at all on that return. And it showed. Yeah, it did. Uh, before we go any further, going to tell you about our friends at Game Time and the Game Time app, also at GameTime.co. That's not GameTime.com, GameTime.co. This is the fastest growing, I don't know how they uh, track this, but from what I'm told, it's the fastest growing ticket app out there. The reason for that is because the Game Time Guarantee, which I'm going to tell you all about here in a second. Had some friends who bought their tickets 
Saturday very, very late in the process. Um, if that's you, uh, you know, you don't have to stress. You can use the Game Time app. I used the Game Time app two years ago, mm-hmm. going to Atlanta, went to the World Series, had a fantastic experience both in the game and with the ticket buying experience. Uh, use the code GameCocks right now. All you got to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, use code GameCocks. If it's your first purchase, you will get $20 off. Terms do apply, so check the check all the, the fine print and stuff, but if it's your first time, you'll get $20 off. Also, game time guarantee, like I said, that means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less anywhere else, game time will credit you with 110% of the difference. So they've got football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more, but we pretty much use it for football or, in my case, MLB might use it. In the playoffs, NBA the playoff game for me a couple years ago in Denver, Wes. Game time. Use game time app. Absolutely. Best, Worked like a charm. Best app for last-minute purchases. They also have flash deals that will pop up and uh, give you a little bit more off as well. So definitely awesome for playoff games. Check them out, gametime.co, or just go to the App Store um, or Google Play. Is that what they call it on Android? <laughs> Go to, go to any of the app stores, download Game Time app. Appreciate them for being a sponsor, not just for our show, but many of the different shows throughout the On3 network. Speaking of On3 network, uh, Jalen Kilgore got a uh, shout-out from a buddy, Charles Power. Yep, He was a week one, week one college football freshman. Standout. Standout. Yeah, I think that's the word. Yep, standout. Uh, Ten tackles, Wes. I think was uh, one of – if not the highest graded players on the team per PFF for defense. Did a really good job tackling. Again, 10 tackles, 63 snaps. Now, probably would have played in this game anyway, I would think a bit. Nicky Memori going down very early, comes back, can't finish the game. Um, hopefully he'll be better soon, doubtful for this weekend. So that means we'll be seeing more of Jalen Kilgore again in week one. Um, but I thought he flashed, Wes. I thought he looked really good out there. Um, first action of his college football career on that stage in an unexpected fashion, kind of like Nicky Minwari last year. Yeah. And comes in for RJ Roderick after an injury and just kind of rides it out. Now when Nicky comes back, he'll be the starter. But Kilgore, I think, word of the day, West validation, I think he has already validated the type of guy that we thought he could be. Man, I this is going to – you don't want to lose Nicky, obviously. Yeah. And – they they got to be very careful with that hamstring. I know mm-hmm. Nick's apparently saying he wants to play. He's gonna play. <laughs> you gotta you gotta be so careful with that mm-hmm. stuff like that will linger if you don't just shut it down. Um, Beamer, by the way, saying today SEC teleconference that Nicky still doubtful mm-hmm. for this game. I'd be absolutely shocked. Even if he woke up Saturday and felt great, you got to be very careful with that. But I think my point being, these snaps that Kilgore is gonna now get. Um, will be huge for him moving forward. I think once they do get Eamon Worry back, that's going to give um, them a little bit of chance to maybe get uh, creative. Yeah, a little flexibility. Yeah, yeah, you know, depending on how Kilgore plays, which I imagine he's going to keep playing very, very well, he just didn't look scared. Like, you know, some guys, and they can end up being great players, but we've all seen guys go in and they're kind of, you know, they kind of got the <laughs> wide-eyed look that, he looked like, oh, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Well, Kilgore, I mean, he he's just a football player. I mean, I won't get any points for creativity, but this is a guy that played all three phases in high school, 
and he was he excelled at all three phases and he's just he's got all the physical tools i finally realized who he made who he reminds me of from a physical perspective kind of looks like co simpson back in the day remember co he had the big like yeah. shoulder like the high shoulders jalen kilgore's got a little bit of that but man he he does not look like your typical freshman and doesn't play like it either so moment was definitely not too big for him if he can show the ball skills that Co had throughout his career, <laughs> then Gamecocks will be on to something, man. Co, <laughs> Co was incredible to watch at South Carolina. But um, you, you like what he brings. I, I do wonder who who's your first man up, your next man up at safety now. Obviously, we know Kilgore slides mm-hmm. in. He's a starter for this week. Um, you know, who slides up in there behind him? It was interesting. They rolled, uh, they rolled B.J. Gibson out there at the first. very yep. beginning because I imagine it was like, we got to at least look this freshman in the eye and, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. hey, man, this is this right. is where we're at. It's on you. Right. But uh, they, they very quickly shifted to saying, uh, you know, hey, we're, we're rolling Jalen out there and letting him play. Charles Power has always been high on Kilgore, four-star guy on on three. I'll steal your word, validate. I mean, <laughs> I think it, that's been validated already. This guy's going to play a ton of great ball for South Carolina. And I, I think – has some versatility too. Could it be a lockdown nickel back potentially mm-hmm. at, at mm-hmm. some point? Maybe. I, I think they gotta figure out, you know, I've thought about this. Bakari Swain, you're ultimately are you gonna need him at cornerback at some point this year? Maybe so. But remember he played safety in high school. I know long term they think he's a corner. Long term does he play some wide receiver? But now term, right now, could you know, could we see Vakari start to be in that rotation at safety? Maybe a little bit easier transition for him being a spot that he has played before. That's not one of the things we've heard. That's just speculation on my part. But it would make sense. A guy that that athletic, that talented, we all saw what he did in high school. Very similar. So Kilgore and Bakari had similar high school careers in that they were offense, defense, special teams, help you in every single way. Hashtag football player, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. They need football player shirts um, or football guy shirts, I guess, was would be the accurate way to say it. But we'll see, man. I'm, I think a lot of fans, I think us, you know, we are as well. We're all intrigued to see how deep the youth movement may go the next few weeks pretty deep and and shane beamer's been very clear i mean he set the stage many times before the season over and over it kind of built right and in uh volume and in uh strength as far as how much he was saying hey guys look we're gonna be playing a freshman in almost every position that didn't happen in week one but it will happen and and it was even alluded to today i can't remember which coach said this but it was just kind of week one you weren't gonna have as many freshmen out there in that setting, that doesn't mean you want week two, week three, week four. You're going to let it continue to build. So Pup Howard, he's going to be out there. We know some offensive linemen can get in the mix. Marky Anderson was the number one guy that Beamer would point to. that He hadn't been in the mix and is still doubtful for this weekend because of his injury, right? Otherwise, we may have heard more. But they're going to continue getting these guys as the season progresses uh, in there, in the mix more. So I, I think the youth movement is just going to continue – um, to grow, really, on this football team. Yeah, so um, I think it was Clayton White that was talking about Pup. Yeah. And 
you know, they, they had plan. We also learned they had plans for Mo Caba to play about 30 snaps yeah. Yeah. on defense. It almost kind of sounded like maybe the plan was we, we already knew and had reported that Mo was playing both Mike and yeah. Will. I wonder if it was just going to be Stone, Debo, and then Mo giving them both breathers. Yeah, 10 snaps here, 10 here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then so, yeah. you know, they, they played what, 73, 72? Yeah. So maybe you take. 15 snaps off of each of those guys mm-hmm. and give uh, those 30 to Mo. That probably makes a lot of sense for, yeah. for what it would have been. And, um, you know, I, I think it was just a matter at that point. You're in a close game. You're trying to come from behind. Um, linebackers are playing well. No signs. We talked about this as well. There were no real signs that they were winded. You know, like the actual conditioning was not a factor. Mm-hmm. Clayton White went as far as saying, I won't let that happen again. Mm-hmm. As far, but I, it kind of felt like on offense and defense, you you heard Dal Loggins say we we got to a point in the game where we just said, like forget being balanced. Mm-hmm. We just have forget the future, forget our blueprint. We have to try to find a way to win this game, mm-hmm. and it became put it on seven. Yeah. On defense, I think you were probably saying we can try, we can get Pup in there next week. Right. right now, we just got to play the guys who uh, who have been there before, even if they're not that experienced. And um, I think that youth movement certainly extends to linebacker. We kind of, it was kind of confirmed, or it was confirmed by Clayton White, exactly what we would have said, and that's Pup and Bam Martin Scott are kind of your backups now. I actually think you feel pretty good about those guys as yeah. the season goes on, man. Like those, those four, that's still a a better four. I believe, in terms of talent, athleticism, upside, ability, than South Carolina's had the last two years. I think you start to get nervous if you start to dip into that depth even more oh, yeah. if one of those guys goes down. Yeah, got to stay healthy there now at that position. And, well, that's the case at a lot of spots. Um, you felt good. You felt like you probably had, what, five there, mm-hmm. you know, potentially, depending on how, you know, they like Pup a lot. But we haven't seen him in a game yet. So, Pending how he developed, pending Bam's health with a healthy Mokah, but you probably felt like you had five guys and you could keep everybody fresh and roll them in and out. But that has that plan has already been shot, um, unfortunately for South Carolina. But still, still more depth, still in a decent spot. Mokah was a big loss. Special teams, big loss at linebacker, no doubt about it. You can't sugarcoat that one. Uh, but still in a decent spot if they can stay healthy there. Yeah, and I, I would think let let's base it off. Let's say if you had seventy five snaps. If they were going to play, if we're kind of right, so we know they were going to play Cobb at 30 snaps, mm-hmm. if it was going to be kind of split between the two, you're really looking at in an ideal world out of 75 snaps, you know, you're going to play the starters maybe 60 snaps as opposed to all, you know, 72 to 75 or whatever. And then maybe that means Pup and Bam Martin Scott are playing 15 each, yep. you know, at, at those spots. Give or take, more or less, game, score, all that stuff is obviously a factor. You would hope this would be a week you can rotate those guys in a lot. I, Dude, I've always thought Van Mark Scott, kind of an un- underrated guy. Like, he's got some uh, he's got some traits yes, to him. Yes, he does. He's actually got some pass rush juice, long arms. Pup's a, a long-armed guy. Actually looks like uh, the first time I saw – Pup Howard from afar, I I mistook him for Jordan Birch. Yeah, wearing five, standing back there. Like, oh, this is a new package. Got an edge back there. 
Yeah. Not well, Jordan Birch isn't here anymore. He's in Oregon. He's <laughs> in Oregon. So, uh, but yeah, those those guys uh, can can play well and can help this team, and uh, they're going to have to. I think uh, we talked about this yesterday, man. Depth chart. Don't get caught up in the Monday depth chart. Um, Mike Yuva mentioning, you know, the potential of uh, you know Nick Garjulo could maybe play tackle potentially. Uh, Jakai Moore could. That's already been half of that's been confirmed because they have Jakai listed as an or starter at right tackle. So we know that's a possibility. Um, go ahead and throw Troy Ball and Tree Babalade in there as possibilities at some point. I honestly would be. I would be pretty surprised if we don't see both those guys, so Ball and Babalade, make their debut this weekend in in some form or fashion, whether that's starting or just getting in there Get somewhere in the yeah. game. Yeah, I would be surprised if we don't see them make their debut. Yeah, Tree Babalade more likely at left tackle when he is in the game. And Tro Ball, probably left guard, Wes. Um, he's worked so. at, at both guard spots and at center. But they have, you know, seven guys out there snapping in the in preseason camp. You know, only a couple, a few of them would be, you know, actual game time guys unless it was an emergency situation. But I feel like probably better suited to be a guard. And look, remember what Dowell Loggins said today. He didn't seem satisfied with hardly anything except for Vershawn Lee and Nick Garzulo. So you figure those two guys are somewhere. I, I, the one I don't see moving is Vershawn Lee at center. Mm-hmm. It, that seems unlikely. Garzulo, we know, could plug in basically anywhere if he were to move. Um, those two guys are still in there. Beyond that, I don't know if we can make a bold uh, prediction, really, even on, on who else is out there. Or we can make a bold prediction, but we don't know, actually, from an information standpoint, who, who's going to be out there. Yeah, I think we have little snippets of what yeah. they could be thinking, but also we don't have the – um, we don't have the huge added value of actually being out there yeah. and kind of knowing how it looks. I think we have an idea of some things they may try, mm-hmm. but obviously if it just blows up in practice, they're not going to probably do it on Saturday. So uh, it does seem to me, and I think fans will be happy to hear this, I think they are committed to testing out some different ideas. I really don't think this is – by any indication that this is ah we're just gonna roll the same group out there right and and hope hope um, for the best yeah. yeah hope for the best so um, I've seen this question a couple times and uh, I'll I'll hit this from Craig and Craig Craig's a great um, listener and viewer of our show I um, so like I mean don't take this personal Craig I just I don't agree so for those who can't see it uh, saying in hindsight. Chicago have been on the kickoff team coming off an ACL. And then Craig even says, easy to second guess now. I get it. I personally have no problem with them being out there. Uh, it's a different knee than the last injury. So it's, it's not even like he went out there and injured the same knee on kickoff team. He's one of your better guys in that role. I mean, take one look at Mo Kaba. You're like big, <laughs> fast, physical guy. Um, when it happened, he dude, he was flying down the field to make a play. Um, yeah, like you said, hindsight, like I get it. It's easy to question that, but they they've built their entire team around the idea, their entire program, I should say, around the idea of special teams are just as important 
as offense or defense. You treat it that way. You can get hurt on offense or defense too. I personally had no problem whatsoever mm-hmm. with Kaba being out there on special teams. I just feel for the person, yeah, for the human ter- being. Terrible. It was terrible for him. But, yeah, I mean, look, look, the best special teams units in the country always play starters. And so it could have very easily been Xavier Leggett or O.D. Fortune, who were shouted out today by Pete Limbo for their work on the Gunner team last year. Darius Rush, Jalen Brooks, Gunners mm-hmm. could have gotten hurt in that role because they're flying down the field as punt gunners too. Yeah. And it would be unfortunate if they got hurt, just like it's unfortunate if they're, you know, out there blocking, you know, like we saw with one of Marcus Lattimore's injuries. You know, you're just out there kind of in no man's land. Those things can happen. Um, you know, South Carolina, like you said, Wes, if, if you truly make it a third of the game, you want to be able to play your best players. You can't say, man, let's be really, really good on special teams, but we're not going to play any starters on special teams. That's tough to do. And so when you when you look at the best special teams units in the country, they're going to play starters. Georgia plays a lot of starters. I remember they had uh, a running back. I think it was Z White. I think it was Amir White went down one year with an ACL injury in practice working mm. on special teams, and it was a big storyline there. So it's, it's, a, it's a decent thought to have. It's a fair thought to have. But I, I, I can't get on board with it. I, I think you, you play your best guys. You have to be careful with it. You have to be yeah, smart yeah. with it. Yeah. At which they are. They chart those things. But if you want to be good, you got to play good players. So, Yeah, and, you know, I, I think Limbo, and I don't know if he would ever say it this way, but Limbo also, if you really chart who's out there, look at kickoff return. He's already said non-negotiable. Mm. Look at the gunner spot. It's almost it's always been a, a starter or yep. a semi-starter, like a, a rotation yep. top rotational guy. You look at some other positions, you may say if you're – not really super super familiar with the roster you may say wait who's that number like they they don't just throw their whole offense and defense out there on special teams like i think they're very deliberate about mm-hmm. okay you can play a walk on here you can play a walk on here you can fill in the blanks with walk ons but you got i mean how many how many times did y'all watch South Carolina struggle to cover kickoffs in the past and you look out there and maybe you say i don't really know who that is, that guy is that guy is that guy and <laughs> It's, hey, if you're throwing all walk-ons and third or fourth teamers, freshmen out there, you're probably going to struggle to cover kickoffs. So. Well, look, look. here's a great example, Wes, and Gamecock fans are hoping they don't change it, but the last play, not the last play of the game, but the big fumble last year in the Clemson-Carolina game, Carolina's got their guys out there, lots of starters, lots of, great, lots of key reserves and big special teams guys, and even Clemson fans are going through saying, who's that, who's that, who's that? It makes a difference. It it makes a huge difference. So you know, I, I think um, you know, and I JD is saying you protect your players. I mean, if the guy is cleared, it, it wasn't the same ACL. So that that kind of it wasn't the same knee. I should All say. indications were that he was a hundred percent. You know, going in, he, he was coming off an injury. Yes, right. Just like Jordan Strong was. Yeah, but he, but, he could have easily gotten hurt on the thirty snaps on defense playing right. a physical linebacker position where you're kind of you're in the fray you got people rolling into you falling around you um guys at your feet guys at your knees um i don't know man you, mo Kaba came to south Carolina to play football he wanted to be on the field he was cleared he was 100 percent um you know maybe if it was this maybe if he just starts running and the same knee gives out um, and it wasn't touched or something, you'd say, well, 
he shouldn't have been cleared. Yeah. He wasn't, but this was a contact injury from what I could tell. And, um, and it was a different, a different one. So it, it sucks. It's the only way to say it, but, um, I can't, I can't really put blame on freak accidents. Um, you know what? I want to go back real quick to logins because something caught my attention, um, that I forgot about. And then when we were talking about something else, it kind of triggered it in my brain. So how about Loggins throwing the uh, shout out to Leggett? He kept mentioning 17, obviously, but you remember that comment about, Hey man, from the, the second I arrived here, bowl practice to January to um, every step of the way, Leggett, Leggett hasn't missed practices. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of point something out, also as a way just of showing the progress Leggett has made. I feel like early in his career, some of it probably not his fault. Early in his career, Leggett was kind of one of those guys that always seemed to be dealing with being banged up. You know, something was ailing him. Maybe some missed practice time here or there, but to hear that Leggett went through. I mean, it's September 6th, and the coach is saying this guy hasn't missed anything dating all the way back to the beginning of the year. Um, just a huge credit yeah. to, to him, to his progress, to him taking care of his body and putting himself in a position to be able to do that. Um, I, uh, I I don't really know Leggett like, personally like that, except for just interactions with him here or there, but um, – I could not be happier for a guy than I am for that guy. From what I hear, not that this is any breaking news, but the NFL scouts have quickly started circling. Who Who's that guy? What do I need to know about him? Yeah. He, he is on the radar now. If he keeps up what we saw, I mean, I don't even know if you could put a ceiling on yeah, how yeah. high he could go. Well, and he surpassed last season's yardage total. Dowell was he listening. Must have heard obviously, your obviously listening to G, uh, Gamecock Central Takeover. Hour heard your stat. <laughs> yeah, so the, I mean, he's he, in one game. He surpassed last season's yardage total, right? And so he's he's a great example of why you don't give up on a guy if it's evident that they have talent. Again, I, I think I said this the other day. Sometimes guys that are in their third year, fourth year, fifth year. Maybe you set the bar lower because you understand that athletically, maybe they're just not there. Maybe from what they were in high school, they were so far ahead of everybody. When they get to college, they're not. Leggett has man among boys qualities, and he always has. Um, remember, Wes, the story that I go back to often, very first time I heard Xavier Leggett's name, he was a high school quarterback. He gets to Carolina as a freshman. Didn't really factor in, but just heard about him covering kicks in practice and how fast he was, how big he was. It's been a long road. Sometimes some people have written him off, but I think you, you stay with him. And to his credit, he stayed with it because he just does have such tremendous athleticism. Another thing that's going to help him, hopefully he can continue his trajectory this season of being very productive as a receiver, but he can return kicks, he can cover kicks. It's going to give him a lot of, uh, lot of love at the NFL level because of that versatility and the willingness as well to do it. Dude, I know you you were on this one prior to the season as a possibility for him, you know, being one of those key gunners. He was flying down the field yeah. on punts, and uh, so that's going to be big. You know, he 
he and OD Fortune, I think both have uh, it, it's one game, but both those guys, OD obviously hasn't quite gotten the attention for his game that Leggett did. But I thought OD, man, that guy was playing confidently and uh, with physicality too, which you don't always see from cornerbacks. So um, both those guys got shout outs from Limbo today for flying down the field as a gunner. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be a huge part of what South Carolina does on that uh, front for uh, for basically most of the season. But Leggett, hey, we've always said, man, if, if y'all get a chance to see that dude up close, yeah. it screams NFL, <laughs> screams NFL linebacker when you first look at him. But seriously, screams NFL wide receiver, uh, physical specimen. So happy for him that he's putting it all together. Um, I frankly did not get to hear the final half of Limbo. Um, was there was there anything else from from him that nothing else really jumped out? Just kind of looking back at that game, the biggest takeaway, Wes, was that he was pretty happy with everything except kickoff returns. So he he did kind of set the table and, and leave the door open for uh, some personnel shifts, some tweaks, some changes on that particular unit. Maybe some other ones too as they dive into it. But that that's the one where if you look week to week, mm-hmm. I think we may see some personnel tweaks. Yeah, and if you really are want to nerd out on that stuff, check out my uh, details you may have missed. I tried to chart out uh, – let's see, what did I do? I did kickoff, return, kickoff, and punt team. We'll probably do uh, punt return team next week, maybe throw the uh, the field goal team in there as well. But um like to, to kind of give those guys a little bit of love. And, and I'm always curious, too, which guys – are playing multiple mm-hmm. special teams units. Generally, that's a good sign for, okay, this is a future guy to look out for. Or, hey, this is a walk-on who does everything mm-hmm. that's asked. Of it. it's, a, it's a sign of how guys are considered among the staff within the program. Um, all right, we're going to close it out here in a second. But, Chris, um, I don't know about you, man. I'm sitting here with zero <laughs> – Taxiety, and I know Nine. I know you are actually no, because feeling great. You you already talked to Larry. You got your taxes Larry. figured out for uh, it's all it's all mapped year. out. They're not filed yet for next year. They'll be a little early, uh, but I have I have talked to my guy Larry. Met with him in person, my wife and I, uh, and then we followed up with him. Wes, super. I was blown away. Honestly, you don't get that type of customer service very often by him following up really immediately. More phone calls, texts, emails. Super available to us. We met him at his office on St. Andrews Road, two locations out there in Irmo, 803-462-5576. Zero tax ID. Get out in front of it. Make sure don't let it creep up. Go talk to the team at Liberty Tax. Larry does an awesome job. All right, guys. So um, this was a Wednesday show. Mike will have a uh, Thursday show. We didn't have a UNC guest last week. Nope. I know we don't have a Furman.on3.com. <laughs> website i'm gonna find us a firming guest yeah, that yeah, is my promise that. um we can't go two weeks in a row yeah we won't yeah. have any problem finding a georgia guest next week but um we need we need a firming guest so so basically right now you got mike will be on tomorrow around two o'clock then chris and i will be back normally scheduled friday show that will be the schedule throughout the year if you missed it last night you can go back and watch mike's uh, talking tuesdays that'll be every tuesday night um you know, like to throw in a little opportunity for 
the uh, the evening crowd to watch live as well. So that's, I think, going to do it for today. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We've been live from Pro Swing Columbia. Dude, this place is freaking awesome. Great place to uh, maybe have a beverage. I see they got <laughs> Steel Hands Sandstorm Game Day Lager yep. over here, along with some other great local breweries uh, that have um, their beer on tap. And then, uh, dude, the, the actual swing um, technology behind us. It's phenomenal. Pretty crazy. Yep, we're about to go play. So you can get a, you can rent bays by an hour. Or you can get a monthly membership here. ProSwingColumbia.com is where you can find out more about how to get over here. All right, guys. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Appreciate y'all. We'll see y'all on Friday. Have a good one.